<clears throat> I was just looking for the title of the what I put down as the title for the sermon this morning. <clears throat> After the adult Sunday school class, I thought maybe I should have continued in the ones we were doing. I'm leaving it for a few weeks. But uh, Brother Troy was ministering on the third third of eight in a series we're doing he's doing on the other class we've done Abraham we've done Moses and I like the on-site pictures in in Israel and today was Megiddo and uh, if you were looking at the pictures and because of drones now you can they can go over there and you go up in a drone and you can and uh, see see the different pictures that on uh, Tel Megiddo, which is 26 layers high, you can get up there and you can look out over the valley of the Jezreel Valley, which goes right over to the Mediterranean Sea and down on an angle running. It runs from the west down east and going south down to the Jordan Valley. It's the only place you can really cross over without going over big mountains from the Mediterranean down to the Jordan Valley. And um, <clears throat> that's where Armageddon is going to happen. And as you stand there on Tel Megiddo and look out, the mountain over on the other side is where they tried to, tried to throw the Lord Jesus off at Nazareth, off the cliff. We, we went there and had a look back the other way and looked at Tel Megiddo from the other side. But it is an interesting place to go to and just see and stand there and contemplate this is the going to be the showdown. This is where it's going to happen. But not only there, because I shouldn't start preaching the sermon, I'm going to preach in a few weeks' time. <laughs> From Bosra, right down below Jerusalem, in Moab, what was then, and presently Jordan, is where the Lord's going to come from. And you're going to come up and uh, over there, over the Dead Sea, and touch down at the Mount of Olives. But all the world's going to see him. So it's not going to just be straight down. It's going to be over the world. And, and he's going to come. And what a coming it will be. And uh, in the valley where we walked, you know, up to the horse's bridles, they said today, the blood's going to flow. That's how horrific, horrible, and the amount of people, animals and everything that's going to die in that terrible conflict. And someone said, can't be possible. And if you work out the kilometres, it is possible. Because it's not necessarily the whole Jezreel Valley, but, you know, if you go around Yakandanda, where the, where the Chinese dug up the gold and that, and the, the, the valleys that have been dug out, and the, the holes that have been dug, you know, sometimes they're as big as this, like this church, that wide, where they're, they're dug out in the, in the valleys, and sometimes half that width. And that's the same in Israel, where they're washed out. They will, they're, they're that deep. They're deepest, and those sort of valleys run right down into the, de into the Dead Sea, through the Jordan, and that will be flowing that deep, all the way down there. And uh, <coughs> it can be literally happening. But we're back in the book of Luke and we're going to give it a break for a while because that is a day in the future near. Last week we mentioned about the comparison between 
capitalism and communism. I want to get you. I want to maybe sort uh, say something that I'm not a communist. Okay, <laughs> just in case you got that picture last week. <clears throat> Communism's tenets is atheism. There is no God. I'm not that. I wouldn't be a pastor if I was. <laughs> and the redistribution of wealth. That's an influence that's happening in our country from outside of our country. It's happened in those countries, but they only redistribute it to the, those they want to until they get, get themselves rich who are on top and in power, and then won't be tied those under them. But as far as being in a capitalistic country, if that redistribution is voluntarily given... That's okay, you know, philanthropy. But if it's taken by force from somebody, that's not right. And uh, same with the Christians, if we give voluntarily. Yeah. Remember the, the, the two people, Mr. and Mrs. Ananias and Sapphira? They gave their money. They gave it voluntarily. But they gave it with a lie attached to it. They say we gave it all, and they didn't. And they were smitten dead. Not because they didn't give it all, but because they lied about it. If they had told the truth, they wouldn't have been smitten. You see, <clears throat> it wasn't that God wanted it all. Was it not thine own when you had it? You, had, you could have kept it all, and it would have been fine. And so it's a voluntary thing when we give... And uh, when redistribution happens, that's different, especially when the government-to-be comes and forces you to take it. If you've ever got to retirement and you try to get around it, around this, I'll, I'll go this way. You go, every, every time you find the door is shut. Once you get there, you'll know what it's like. <laughs> and... Uh, trying to figure that out and once you reach 74 there's no more giving to superannuation and all those things that come to play in our country it's you need to figure it out before you get there <laughs> and uh, don't ask me go to somebody that knows about those sort of things let's turn to the scriptures at hand this morning this sermon I began to preach some years ago and never finished it so we're going to start it again and finish it maybe next week a hundred years in a hundred years time where will you be now that's an older person in a hundred years time young people I don't know how old the oldest person in Australia is how, how they're a bit older than that, I've heard. They're over 110. So in 100 years' time, the youngest person who's in junior church over there might be still around. But we, we might have to stretch this. In 120 years' time, where will you be? But what we're trying to say is we're going to move on, aren't we? This is not our permanent place. It's temporary. And it's been said to me by many for many years and particularly when we were young this is only a place where we make a decision 
we come into being, we weren't, and then we are, is to make a decision about God, believe by faith on him, and then we go out into eternity. Either to believe on him and obey him or reject him. That's what it's about. And have you believed and obeyed the gospel or have you not? In Psalm verse, uh, chapter 90 and a few verses here we read, and there's a, should we have read this or the other? Well, both are good for our reading this morning. But we read in verse 1 of Psalm 90, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God has always been. Thou turnest man to destruction. Thou sayest, Return, ye children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Now how long has the world been in existence? In about 1996, if you go by Bible chronology, it's about 6,000 years, 1996. A few years ago, about 6,000 years from Adam. And it's like a watch in the night to God. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are like a sleep in the morning. They are like grass which, is, which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth, the grass that is. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Who told the tale? <laughs> God did. In, uh, in his book, all our members were written before they, before they were even in existence. And all those things... A sovereign God has written down all our thoughts, all our ways and all our doings and all our characteristics were written. Isn't God great? You say, no, no, no one could do that. God did. It says it in his word and in other Psalms. The days of our years are there three score years and ten that's 70, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore, 80 years, yet is their strength labour and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Huh. You're sprouting wings yet? <laughs> the, the older ones feel that way, the younger ones know I don't want wings yet, I've got life to live. So, you know, we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us. This is what we should be doing. Teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. That's what we should be doing now, numbering our days and applying our hearts. Return, O Lord, how long? And yet it repenteth thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Let's fall upon the mercy of God, young in our life, that we might be satisfied with him through the days of our life. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you know us from start to finish in all that happens in our life. 
You know our thoughts are far off. Let, yet, Lord, you allowed us to come into being. You knew, knew that we would sin against you and rebel. But you let this world be formed. You knew your son would have to die for our sins and make the payment. Yet you still created the world and brought it into existence. You are a wonderful, loving, merciful and gracious God. I pray, Lord, that we'd fall upon your mercy and grace and we'd be obedient to the gospel and know your grace in our lives and your loving forgiveness. Bless us today as we think and contemplate on some of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I'm going to cover the date up. Were any of you round when this one was made? I oh, know, I need a bigger picture. This was sent to me some years ago. Have you got one in the shed, Matthew? It, almost that old. <laughs> This is, uh, what is it, 19, oh, 1909 4 modelled R. is not quite there, it started in 76, it's in my shed, <laughs> 44 years or 45 years old I think. Don't quite look like that. But. When I was up at Grandpa's place in the Mallee, we had one not quite like that, but we used to ride, ride on the kick rails and we used to jump off and chase the rabbits. <laughs> It's spotlighting time. <laughs> it was fun. <clears throat> and they had wheels like that, had spoke wheels. It did. <laughs> but <clears throat> listen to these facts and figures. This might boggle our mind. Now, this is from America. I'll, I'll try to put some Australian ones in there. Um, <clears throat> the year is 1909. How many is that? 112 years ago. What a difference this century plus makes. Some facts from that time. The average life expectancy was 47 years. In Australia is 42 years. Most of us would have been dead and gone. 42 years. Only 14% of the homes had a bathtub. Now we've all got showers. Can you remember when a shower came to your house? We didn't have a shower until I was late teens. I mean, I had a shower. I had a bath. <laughs> but the bath, the bath we had, the six of us kids, the girls got the first, I mean the same water, the three girls got the first bath. Oh, well, no, the first last, she, she was ten years younger, so she, she wasn't there. The others got the bath, and then the boys got the bath. Same water, tank water. Nothing from it. And it was only that deep. <laughs> and we're on a farm and we're running around in dirt all day. So you can imagine. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> but they were great days. I'm still alive. I've probably got blood you should bottle because I'll have a new immunity to so many diseases. <laughs> um, anyway. Bathtub, we'll go on. Only 8% of homes had a telephone. This is America. So imagine what it was like out here. There were only 8,000 cars and only 144 miles of paved roads. A maximum speed limit in most cities was 
10 miles an hour, we can play in, uh, what's that, about 15 15Ks. The tallest structure was the Eiffel Tower. The average wage was 22 cents per hour. The average worker made between $200 and $400 a year. A competent accountant could expect to earn $2,000 a year. A dentist, $2,500 a year. A veterinarian, vets aren't here today, between $1,500 and $4,000 per year. And a mechanical engineer, $5,000. That was, that was the man to be. More than 95% of all births took place at home. 90% of all doctors had no college education. You didn't go to the doctor. <laughs> Instead, they attended the so-called medical schools, many of which were con condemned in the press and governments and the, and the government as substandard. Sugar cost four cents a pound. Eggs were 14 cents a dozen. Should have had a chook house. <laughs> You'd make more than you did working. 22 cents, what a, a day. Coffee was 15 cents a pound. Most women only washed their hair once, ladies, once a month, and used borax. That's what we used on the cabbages in our day. It's the white stuff you sprinkled on the cabbages and the collies and the sprouts to stop them white moths laying their green, their eggs and their little green grubs. The borax. I remember using it. But they, they used that in their hair to kill, to kill the bugs. And egg yolks for shampoo. I didn't know that one. Did you? Oh, okay. This is what happened a hundred years. You see how things have changed, folks, in a hundred... And we could go on. I'll, I'll try to read it without comment. Passed a law, Canada passed a law prohibited poor people from entering into their country for any reason. Five leading causes of death were pneumonia, tuberculosis, COVID's not here, diarrhoea, heart disease and stroke. Um... A population of Las Vegas, Nevada, was only 30. Crossword puzzles, canned beer, iced tea hadn't been invented yet. There was no Mother's Day or Father's Day. Two out of every ten adults couldn't read or write. Only 10% of them, 6% of Americans had graduated from high school. Huh. Marijuana, heroin, morphine were all available over the counter at the local corner drugstore. Back then, pharmacists said heroin clears the complexion, gives buoyancy to the mind, <laughs> regulates the stomach and bowels, and is, in fact, a perfect guardian for health. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, <clears throat> I think they're trying to bring that thing back for pain. 18% of households had at least one full-time servant or domestic help. There were only 230 reported murders in the entire USA in a year. Right now it's 39,785 per year in America. So there's some things that have changed in 100 years. What would happen if we go another 100 years? Things that won't matter in 100 years from now. What won't matter? Folks, think about these things. Because that'll make you live a different sort of life. That'll make you make decisions that will affect what happens then, what it'll be like then, rather than just making temporal decisions now.
Right now, we look at the negative next week, we'll look at the positive. But right now, <clears throat> prestige and position is what a lot of people are pushing for. Aussies are good at knocking the tall poppy off his perch, aren't we? <laughs> we, like, we seem to like doing that. <clears throat> In the book of Matthew, chapter 20 and verse 24. Matthew 20 and 24. And we could read the whole chapter, but just that verse. Here, they wanted the top position. All the apostles wanted it because we read there, and when the ten others, two applied for it, they asked for it from the Lord, and when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. We all are trying to get the top priority position, and we should not want prestige and position. And this is illustrated in this verse, and you can read the verses around that. If you go to chapter 23 of the same book, and verses 5 to 12. But all their works, and this is speaking of the Sanhedrin, religious leaders, they do to be seen of men, they make broad the phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments, the religious people. They love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. They still do it in the Middle East. The Orthodox people are like that and they want you Westerners to show them respect. <laughs> they dress for attraction, even the men. But be, but be not ye called rabbi, rabbi. Let's put it into our English, reverent, reverent, <laughs> in our society, or priest, priest, whatever you want to in religious circles today. For one is your master, even Christ, and ye are all brethren. The common salvation we have been brought to at the foot of the cross is what <laughs> we are brought to through faith in Christ to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, no, and call no man your father upon the earth. That disqualifies a lot of people, does it not? For one is your father who is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that is shall humble himself shall be exalted. Listen to what the Lord says here. You know, we can have prestige of home, of career, of car, of business, of bank account. But no, no. The Lord says otherwise. Things that won't matter a hundred years from now. And people that have that prestigious position or seek it and, and lust after it. It won't matter when they're out into eternity. In Jeremiah 45, verse 5, the first part of that, it says, And seekest thou great things for thyself? What does he say? Seek them not. Seek them not. A second thing in a hundred years from now that won't matter is property, possessions, and stuff. And as, as we've said before... There was an evangelist that come through. I don't know which evangelist it was. He preached on stuff. 
I never forget the word stuff when, after he preached about that. <laughs> Have you ever been into a house where a person just thinks about stuff? You walk into the house, you walk into the house and you have to turn sideways. <laughs> when you turn around and go the other way, you want to get into that room? No, I, I, I haven't been into your... Can I think of any houses here? <laughs> maybe, my, maybe my shed. <laughs> but... Yeah, I was in it the other day. <laughs> he took me in. And, and he took Clement in too. <laughs> into the... Sh no, who, who... Yeah, it was Clement, yeah. Into the shed at the back. But... Hey, after a while... The stuff that's there starts mocking you. <laughs> it almost talks to you. <laughs> you haven't used me yet. I've been sitting here ten years. <laughs> Remember you bought me at Bunnings. You, you had to have me. It starts mocking you, really. Stuff. What have you done with that stuff you had to have? And now it's mocking you. And you know, how many trailers do you have to take to the tip? Troy. Oh. <laughs> How many trailer loads? Uh, probably one or two. And three? And, well, I would say probably a couple of trailer loads too. Three, <laughs> four, four, Packed four, down four. and stamped together. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. He borrowed my trailer. That's why I know he took some trailer loads to the tip. But it, it happens, doesn't it? And not that he's buying to fill a trailer to take it to the tip. Stuff, folks, stuff gets control of us and uh, we can't move. The people in, Israel, in Jerusalem, when the first church started, got rid of their stuff. Praise God they did, so they are on the move. <laughs> and it, remember the ones we talked about when, Jesus, when um, tribulation starts in the middle of it, when the abomination of desolation happens and Antichrist does his thing? They said, Jesus said, leave your stuff. Don't even pick up anything. Just get out. Because stuff will burden you down. And in the Christian life, you know what? Stuff burdens you down. Stuff holds you back from ministry. Stuff has to be dusted off. Stuff has to be looked after. I mean, you have to have the necessities of life. I'm not denying that. <laughs> but watch out for the stuff. The possessions of life. And in the book of Luke, it talks about this in chapter 12 and verse 16. And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And what did he decide to do? He thought within himself, What shall I do? I've nowhere to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. Pull down my barns and build greater. I don't know why he just didn't build more barns instead of pulling the other ones down. But anyway... I will bestow my fruits and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, there was much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. God said to him, thou fool, thou fool, you, you've been controlled by your stuff. This night shall thy soul be required of thee. Then who shall these things be that thou hast provided? The whole point of this passage is the spiritual things are the things that you should be placing your emphasis on. And often we don't wake up till it's too late that they're the important things. 
As the Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the, what does it say? The whole world and loses his own soul. There in Luke 12, 22, 30, right through that passage there. And as we said last week <clears throat> in the cl- closing of the message, we read through 1 Timothy chapter 6. Read it again. Memorize some of those verses, verses 5 to 11, 17 to 19. <clears throat> Remember when COVID started and... Uh, share market went I don't know how far it went down but the what do you call those fellas you go to financial advisors and the share market people, the the fellas that got your super said sell but it had already dropped about 33% sell and so the poor people the older people rushed down to their thing, yeah I'll sign it, sell and they all sold and the AMP people oh, that Muggins here was with, sell. Okay, I'll sell. <laughs> Signed a deal, sold, and sit on it. You'll be cashed up to buy when it falls right down. And sit on it, all right. And what happened to the share market? From that point, it went and stopped. <laughs> well, it might go down again, I don't know. And there, there were all these elderly people caught out, caught out. Wrong advice, real bad. <laughs> and so now they're sitting not on a nest egg, they're sitting on a sparrow's egg. <laughs> you might say they were caught out by these wrong advice. Not good. See, the portfolio, it can all collapse. This property and possessions can be gone in a moment can be gone listen to what the scriptures say again in Timothy if you go to Timothy 2nd Timothy this is what we should be doing (laughs) and this is the reference we just referred to before verses 17 1st Timothy chapter 6 17 charge them that we be rich and we looked at this last week in this world that they be not high minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. They do good, that they be rich in good works and ready to distribute, willing to share. Willing, it it's depends on their choice not to be forced to do it. Willing to communicate, lay up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. And so <clears throat> be rich in good works. As Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 10 tell us, 2 Corinthians 6:10 tells us, Be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich. <laughs> Isn't that good? You can be poor, yet you can make many rich. How can you do that? You can be poor physically, financially, but you can make people rich by giving them the glorious gospel and telling them about heaven and eternity. Can't you? Isn't that the riches of the gospel? Isn't that the riches of the world? (laughs) That person can get saved and have eternity booked in. (laughs) Ah, make them rich, folks. You might be poor, but make them rich through sharing the gospel with them. In 2 Corinthians 8, just over the page and verse 9, it reads this, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he become poor, that ye, through his poverty, might be 
rich. And it's not talking about money. It's talking about the spiritual riches in Christ Jesus that we receive through faith in him. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, poverty might be down here, but oh, the riches of eternity, the blessings of eternity. If you've been forsaken down here by father or mother, you've been made rich in heaven <clears throat> for what he has done for you and will give. <clears throat> Think of another thing. In a hundred years from now, what will it profit if you rise to power down here and haven't used it for his glory? Let me name a few and consider what they would tell you if they could come down and stand in a congregation and speak English, of course, <laughs> to you today. Napoleon. What would he tell you now? Was it worth doing what he did? Con trying to conquer everything and everyone. <clears throat> Not at all. Hey, thank you, Mr. Napoleon. I'm here. Our people moved out here because of you persecuting them in Prussia six, seven generations ago. Thank you. <laughs> but it didn't help him, did it? They're all dead on the street. Christians were. That's why we got here. Jekyll's moved out. And so he... It was a blessing in a way, but a curse for him. What about Mr. Nero? He rose to power, didn't he? He burnt Rome, it said, and blamed the Christians for it. Where is he now? In hell. What would he tell us if he stood here? Ah. Oh. Believe on the one that I persecuted. Those people, those Christians are right. I was wrong, I was wrong, I was wrong. We know that's what he said because in the Bible it tells us about the fellow that died and he had five brethren back on earth. And he said, wouldn't you, Abraham, be allowed to be sent back and just tell them about this place lest they come to this place of torment also? And, and no, it can't happen. They have the Bible. They have the word of God. Let them hear the word and the prophets. Nero. What about Herod that killed all the babies at Bethlehem? What would he now tell us? To have power, I would rather be the poorest man in the Middle East than to have the power that I had. You see, these power-hungry people all over the world what about Alexander the Great? Died middle age. Conquered the world. What use was all that power? What use was that power? Huh, here's one that's a little bit different. His, his story ended well. He was one of the ones, the head of gold of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven mad and for seven years he was out eating grass like an ox. And at the end of that seven years, he looked up to heaven and he recognized who God was. While he was still living, he was able to repent and trust the Lord. And he got saved, we could say today. He believed on God, changed his life forever. He acknowledged the Lord. And now he's in heaven. He, he, he would shout. He would shout if he was here. Power doesn't 
matter. It's believing on the living eternal God. The God of Daniel, that man, praise God, we took him capture, we captured him and brought him to, to Babylon, and he told me, and he said, a great example for all those years he's in Babylon. He said, a great example for me to believe on. He's God. What about what about Hitler? What about Hitler? Hmm? That man. What would he say if he was here today? No. It's all wrong. What about the multitude, the millions of people that went out of this life brutally through his murderous regime that have surrounded him or wherever they are, some of them believing, others unbelieving. If he got his way, he was going for the Jews in Palestine. He didn't get there. He was stopped. And all over the place, for the world. He was stopped in his tracks, but he would say, power corrupts. Power corrupts. And we could go on and on. Starlet. What about Mr. Darwin? Evolution. What would he say? The power he had in the pen to corrupt the generation we have through the universities and the schools of today that's being used by the system of education. He would say, no, no, there is a God, there is a God, he is the creator, he did make the world, there was a flood, there was a Noah, and all that we have in the world today and all these layers was laid down by Noah's flood. It did happen. You see, power, a hundred years from now, it won't matter how powerful you were down here. Mr. Putin, Mr. Chinaman, Chairman, I don't know what... See, I don't try to memorise those sort of things or names. Mr. Dawkins, you, you got him on the mind. I asked you a question the other day. <laughs> Dawkins and Hawkins, I don't know which one. Anyway, <clears throat> The God Delusion. Wrote that book, The God Delusion. But I think he's, in, he's still alive. Oh, okay. The sad reality of eternity. Jesus' reply in John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verses 10 to 11 to Pilate. Listen to it. Then said Pilate unto him, unto Jesus, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? You know, Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore he, delivered, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from then on Pilate sought to release him. He got the drift. He got the point that Jesus was the one that gave him this power to take him or to release him. And Jesus cried out saying, if, that, if thou let this man go, the Jews, sorry, cried out saying, if thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. They could see that Pilate was about to release him. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. And so there the Lord talked about power. 
What about popularity? We're almost done here for the first half of this. Popularity. So many people want to become popular. They do some crazy things to become popular. Matthew 19.30 says, But many that are first shall be last. And many that are last shall be first. First Corinthians 1, and we'll be considering that tonight, and 26 to 31. Not many wise, not many mighty, not many noble, but the weak, the base, the despised things. Those are the things that are chosen, not the wise and the mighty. Famous faces will be few and far between in heaven, if at all. Movie stars. I don't know that any would be there. Why are we so engrossed with them and looking at what they do today? Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, For do I now seek the favour or persuade men, or, or, or am I of God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Popularity. And people seek their fame, whether it be in sports or whether it be in entertainment or whatever, to be popular. Worldly plans. The book of James tells us about people that make plans down on this, this world. <laughs> in James chapter 4, verse 13, Go to now ye that say to me, today, tomorrow, we'll go into such and city, continue there a year, buy, sell, get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, a hundred years from now, what will it be like, even tomorrow? For what is your life? It's even a vapour that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. You ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth and not to him it is sin. Labour not to be rich, said the the Proverbs. Pleasures and pleasantries. (laughs) Hebrews 11.25 Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, the Jews, than to enjoy, and it says the word, the pleasures of of sin for a season. He could have, for the rest of his life, enjoyed all the pleasantries of Egypt. He could have dined every day with the best that the world had to offer. But he chose not to. He chose to go out into the wilderness. Well, he was 40 years learning the way of it with Jethro, his father-in-law, and then come back and 40 years with uh, 2 million people leading them through it. He chose rather to do it. Folks, I can guarantee you it would be much better to suffer and to have little in this life and to enjoy eternity than to enjoy the pleasures of this world for the 70, 80, 90 years that you have. Absolutely. God's word says it. Do you believe him? Just believe him. And Titus 3.3 we ourselves were once disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures. That's when we were not Christians. That's the way we lived. And it says in the last days in Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4, and it talks about 
it being the last days. Lovers, lovers of what? Pleasure more than lovers of God. And we can fall into that trap so easily as Christians. <clears throat> lovers of pleasure. Satisfying the flesh. Trying to, disciplining ourselves not to be lovers of pleasure. Oh, be careful how far. You, we've got the means. You know, we're not on 22 cents a day, is it? <laughs> we are all lot more than anybody in the past generations have in our country. Even if you haven't got a job, you're still better off than all those fellas way back then that had a job. And we can become lovers of pleasure. The dangerous thing is, with all that we have and all the stuff that we possess, we can be driven to pleasure. It would be better if we're tempted to do that, to give it to a missionary, you know, and to get out and use it for ministry somewhere than to use it on ourselves. Now, I'm not going to force you. God's not going to force you. He's not going to twist your arm behind your back and you can give it, give it, give it. And the pastor's trying to do a good job out of it. <laughs> your business. But one day you've got to answer for it. And I've got to answer for what he gives and passes through there, your bank and my bank account. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 6, But she that liveth in pleasure, it says, is dead while she liveth. Dead men walking, as we say often. One last reference, and we'll finish with this. We're back in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 and verse 19. <clears throat> there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. This is... The rich man one day and fed sumptuously every day. I remember being in a rich man's home. He was an oil baron. This is 50 years ago. I was a kid with my family. We were invited for lunch there. Never been in something like that. You know, we're, we're, we're farm people, so we're chops, spuds. Carrots, grown on the farm, good, good, healthy diet. Who was, was there? He's, he, he, he yeah. <laughs> Double story house. Stairwell had one of those things you sit in and go up and down. So our, us kids were learning how to use it. <laughs> He's for get off that thing. <laughs> he had an elderly father he was looking after. Good on him. <laughs> he was, but um. The food, we what's what's that? <laughs> we didn't know, but <clears throat> yeah, he was a Christian. He was given to the Lord's work. I won't give his name, <laughs> um, but he was in he was in church and serving the Lord. And I hadn't fed fed sumptuously. <laughs> what I, when I think of that, I th I think of this. Some people live like that every day, and I thought, wouldn't you get sick of doing that? Wouldn't you, if you've been a worker and then got thrust into a situation like that, say, no, I need to get out and do something. <laughs> I need to get out and work. I need to get out and serve. I need to get out and minister because you, you can't live like that and be satisfied. Isn't that true? He did. He worked. He had office work to do. And desiring 
it, we read here, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus who was laid at his gate full of sores. And you know the story, and desiring to be fed with crumbs that fell for the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Apparently that's good for you, is it? <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't Some people let dogs lick their ice cream and I think, ugh. But <laughs> and it came to pass when the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. He's in heaven. Rich man died and was buried. And in hell... He lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And you know the story. You know the end of the story. In a hundred years from now, which one of these people will you be? I mean, I believe most of you are Christians here today. And if you're not, and you go out into eternity today or sometime in the next hundred years and I think we all will be there in the next hundred years where will you spend eternity now you're not with no Abraham's bosom anymore you go straight to be in heaven absent from the body present with the Lord if you're Christian but the other place is still going on will you go to the place, the holding place, the place of torment, and be wishing you had made a decision for God while you were down here. I plead with you, but neither I nor God will compel you. This is a free will choice, but you have been warned. You need to believe. Come to the Lord while it is still today. You can mock, you can laugh, and if you're listening in, you can do both. Reality will hit all of us one day. Heavenly Father, I pray, I pray for people who are sitting on the fence. Young people, maybe an older person, or it's too embarrassing, I've lived my life and People laugh at me if I've changed my mind now, Lord, that they would be wholly, solely convinced that Jesus is the way to follow. He's the way, the truth and the life and all the power, the popularity and the pleasures of this life is nothing. It's only for a few fast fleeting years and then eternity rolls on endlessly in hell or in heaven today that they might believe and as Christians that we would see the folly of putting the emphasis all on life down here and the pleasures of it and the popularity of it and the power of it and trying to step on other people to get up the ladder Lord let us humble ourselves as the saints of old did that we might, Lord, walk a life pleasing to you. Bless us now as we part and help us to share the good news of Christ that some soul might be saved for all eternity. It will be worth it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.